dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. Everyone who strives to do something great will encounter difficulty. The question is, what will we do when we are confronted with a difficulty? For many, they respond by anger, an outward anger that can sometimes even be violent. True greatness, however, is to be able to channel that anger, like St. Joseph, into effective results. Here are some thoughts for you. Well, it's so great to be with you all again. Let's start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, Father of the poor, illumine the hearts of thy faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit and they shall be created and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of thy faithful in the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, uh, let's plunge right into the text here with St. Joseph. We, we've been looking in a series here on how he presents to us a model of leadership. And in the last talk, we, we spoke about the, his need for action and the fact that he had to take the next step forward without necessarily realizing where it would go. And, and for how many of us this is so true? We, we want to see the full perspective of where we're going in order to take that next step. But oftentimes we don't know where that full perspective will actually lead us until we take the next step. God sometimes, I would even say oftentimes, hides from us the full vision that we feel like we really need as a leader. But he does give us this. If we take that next step faithful to him, he will show us. And that's because we ourselves don't know what God fully wants to accomplish with our life. Only God does. Thanks be to God, right? Because that's what makes God so great. He does know and he does understand. And what we need to do is follow that step by step, like St. Joseph. So he, has, he ends up deciding to follow Mary to, to, in her surrender to God, as God does this incredible work in her life of making her the mother of his only begotten son. And he does so by taking this next step of taking her to be his wife and of naming his son Jesus. Just what the angel said. It's just so important for us because after that, we don't know what will be next. And this is what I find so astonishing about today. Uh, I want to look with you at Luke chapter 2 where we pick up with, with Joseph. And what's the next thing that happens? It says like this. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, 
and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. This is Luke 2, 1 to 6. Wow. <laughs> right? And don't we feel like this is exactly what happens to us? We take the next step, what God wants, and suddenly comes the unexpected. And, 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 and it's amazing. The reason I want to keep underlining this is that for a lot of us leaders, we spend a lot of time actually kind of acting like we're a victim, right? We don't want to admit that because like we, you know, but secretly when we're just amongst ourselves, we, 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 we get away with acting like we're victims all the time. We say it shouldn't be this way. It should be easy. I don't know where we got that in our brain, by the way, that it should be easy. Uh, because like it wasn't easy for Jesus and it wasn't easy for Joseph either, right? So like, why should it be easy for you? But deep down inside, we think that it should. And so we constantly, therefore, because when it's hard and very difficult and even very hard and very risky, we end up saying that we are doing it wrong. And then, of course, people surround us, right, who, who then say the same thing to us, that somehow we're doing it wrong because we're not like this big corporation or we're not like this other guy who's out there and he seems to be doing it without any kind of problems whatsoever, right? And, and, and we, we want a smooth, easy ride because if we did that, well, we would be like God, <laughs> right? It's the, then we realize the folly of that statement, right? We're not God and we're never going to be God. And only God, he does get it smooth and easy until he came to save us. And when he came into the act of salvation, it started going hard for him. He was oppressed. He was persecuted. And we're going to see later on in this series on St. Joseph, he was chased out of Bethlehem with men trying to kill him. <laughs> and then he went to Egypt and so forth. The hardship of the life of Christ well, it's the hardest life anyone's ever lived. No one has ever suffered more than Christ. And those who are close to him share in that suffering. My friends, we cannot act as if the leadership Christ is calling us to is any other kind than the leadership in him. The same type of leadership that he himself brought to this world when he saved it by his effort and by his sacrifice. If we're going to lead enterprises, that's, that's, that's for granted, okay? That's the occasion for the real leadership, which is the leadership of the soul. If we're going to have families and, and actually try to do something with those families that are extraordinary, right? And make a difference with those families. Well, we have to realize that that's only the occasion for our sanctification and our offering of ourselves to God. And that's actually where the world is really changed. It's when we're really changed. And when we're really changed the most, it's when we're carrying that cross with Christ. And so I got to get over this idea that the ease of life is a sign of success. It's not ease that's the sign of success. It's fidelity to truth. That's a sign of success. And if I can be faithful to that truth, well, then I'm going to be able to put up with the hard times. If I think that my success is in my ease, then when the hard times come, I'm going to jump ship. And that's just what makes us bad leaders. 
we got to be ready to take the bullet and, and, and to be more committed to the cause than the other people who are in our organizations or the other people that are following behind us, whatever that might be and whatever effort that is. Well, if I'm going to lead from the front like that, then I've got to be really like the front prow of a ship to take the waves when they come and not complain and act like they're not supposed to be there. Okay. Because here's St. Joseph, the man himself, spouse of the Virgin Mary, foster father of the Savior, and his life just starts getting tough. I think if you, if you go back to Matthew chapter two, uh, two, you get this great, you know, scene there of Joseph and he's marrying Mary. How wonderful he took her to be. And he names his son Jesus. It's beautiful, right? Well, if you flip to Luke 2 here where we're starting today, you're going to see how actually God has surprises for Joseph. And it's going to be a life of surprises for this man. How does he deal with them? He deals with them in the same way that God's going to ask us to deal with them. And we're going to take a look at that in just a second. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. All right. What exactly is this surprise, right? Let's take a look real closely at the text here. He says, in those days, so this is before, of of course, he named him Jesus, which we saw in Matthew. Matthew skips out the the details here of what we were looking at in Luke. After he, he, before he took Mary to be his wife and he was betrothed to her in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered, right? So this is really um, just an amazing uh, fact this decree that goes out from Caesar Augustus did not go out with justice, with Joseph's permission. Caesar Augustus did not ask Joseph if it was okay to upset his life, right? So this decree of Caesar, it comes to be like a symbol for, for us in so many different ways of those things that hit us from the outside. We can almost like manage our life if we could only control all the elements. But there are so many decrees of Caesar that get thrown at us and we as leaders have to learn how to deal with that. We can't act like somehow our life is not going to have these curveballs. We got to expect the unexpected, right? We, and, and the better that we are of learn, looking for that unexpected and anticipating that it's going to come, the calmer we are in the storm. I think that that's actually one of the, the first lessons that Joseph tells us in this text. It nowhere says Joseph went nuts, <laughs> right? This, the decree came and then Joseph lost it. And he ran around, walked around the room ranting about how he should have voted for someone else. He couldn't vote for Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus was imposed upon him, just like the people that are in, pre, in, the, in power in government at any point. You can vote for them or not, but they're always in a sense going to be opposed or imposed upon us. And here, Caesar Augustus is imposed upon him, and he issues a decree. So it's, it's, it's neat, huh? because in our own lives, how often we feel like we don't have power. We might not need power. Maybe that power would actually be our undoing. What we do need is the ability to pivot, to roll, to flex, to change to move with what happens to us. And here we got this for Joseph. In those days, a decree went out that all the world should be registered. And all went to be registered. Verse 3, each to his own town. 
and Joseph also went up from Galilee. So it's neat. The second point that you see here is that the way that Joseph rolls with this is by obeying. It's amazing, right? Because a lot of times when we get thrown with this type of of decrees, right, that come in from the outside, we think that we're not going to obey. We're going to show our strength by not being meek. Joseph is going to show his strength by being meek. And I point this out because for a lot of us today, we kind of think that anger is a sign of strength. And don't get me wrong, there is a place for anger. And yes, it is a sign of strength, right? Our Lord Jesus gets angry in the temple and he cleanses it. Uh, When they strike him on the cheek, he says, uh, you know, for what are you striking me? And what good deed have I done? Why do you strike me? Right? It's like, and then when they go and oppose him in many ways, he gets in their face and confronts them. Our Lord is not a wimp and he doesn't encourage us to be the same. If you're going to get in the arena, you got to be ready to fight. I agree with that. But the reason we fight and the reason we would show anger sometimes in our life is because we intend on succeeding. That success, however, sometimes requires of us a different method, not that of anger, but instead that of meekness. The same Lord who cleansed the temple also let them throw him out of the temple. The same Lord who got in the face of those who opposed him allowed himself to be condemned. There was a time for that anger, and justly so, but when it push came to shove, he saved the world, not by an outward manifestation of anger in terms of violence, but by the deep channeling of his divine wrath into what would really be effective for our salvation. This is Christ, the epitome of the meek. A lot of people think today that being meek, meek means being wimpy. Not at all. The difference between the meek man and the, and the wimpy man is that the wimpy man doesn't have the love in his heart to bring purpose and effectiveness to what he is all about. A meek man is not wimpy at all. He is simply determined to let nothing deter him from the goal at hand and his mission to be accomplished. We need a lot more meekness in our life than we need violence. This is a simple truth. Getting angry is often a sign of weakness, which is why the virtue of temperance tempers that, that motion in our hearts towards hot anger and teaches us to only let it show when it's the effective way of moving us towards our end. And most of the time, my friends, it's not. I'm thinking of the example of Pope John Paul II. They, they asked him one time when he was Pope, hey, um, do you ever get angry? And his response was so beautiful. He said, never in public. <laughs> Isn't that great? How many of us feel that way? You know, it's like, God, do you ever get never in public? He, even this great saint got angry, but he was meek enough to realize that that anger was not going to be successful or bring him to success. And so he was able to temper that anger, that flash inside of him that would happen in order to reach the goal. Well, here you have St. Joseph. 
His wife, of course, is with child, and his wife is pretty special. An angel tells him that his son, that, you know, that, that she's going to bear, his, his foster child, so to speak, is actually from the Holy Spirit. I mean, and so putting things logically together, well, if a virgin conceives, of course, we remember it back to Isaiah, Joseph knows that this is going to be the Messiah. If anyone has the right to say, you will not order me around, it's St. Joseph. He's the guardian of the Holy Family. And Jesus can't even speak for himself at this moment. You would wonder if Joseph, you know, gosh, like, what would he do in this situation? And it's the truth be told, he obeyed like everybody else. But it wasn't like everybody else. He obeyed purposefully, knowing that this was what was necessary for him in order to fulfill what God was asking him to do. And so he did the same thing as everybody else, but he did it differently. Whereas they were obeying Caesar Augustus, he was obeying God. You see, it's not that outward act of obedience that takes away your freedom. It's your lack of purposefulness in your obedience that takes away your freedom. No one can take your freedom away just by telling you that you have to do something. You can do what they tell you to do and do it successfully and as a free man if you choose to do it in love. But what the question is, is do you choose to do it? Are you allowing yourself in meekness to do what everybody else does and to do it because you were ordered by someone who's in a superior position to you and you do it as a prayer because this is what's necessary for you to keep your job, to keep your position. You see, it's like, in other words, like sometimes we still want to be great on the outside. It's like sucking the marrow out of life and choking on the bone, right? <laughs> Don't do that. You might have to suck the marrow out of life and be this great person and do these audacious things. But it's the, the true measure of our greatness is on the inside, just like Joseph. It says, and so, verse 3, all went up to be registered, and Joseph also went up. He was on the outside obedient in that first form of meekness. And he comes into, from the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Here's where Joseph's second incredible act of meekness comes. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. Okay, so let's take a look at this second spot because it's so revelatory. In the first spot, he does what everybody does and he obeys. In the second spot, he gets a personal edict and a personal challenge to him. And Joseph, once again, is meek. And that's why he's successful. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 2, verse 7. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. <laughs> this is such an amazing scene, right? Because think about what, what's going on here. St. Joseph and the Virgin Mary, they're looking for lodging and there is no lodging available for them in the ordinary dignified place of lodging. 
Instead, they lay Jesus in a feeding trough. That's what manger means. Manger, it comes from the word to eat. It's, it's the place where the animals feed. Right, so Joseph's giving, or Mary's giving birth to the son of Joseph, the king of the universe, the Messiah, in a manger. I mean, this is just, the animals are all around what's happening here. She's in a stable giving birth. Now, if you, if your wife uh, was giving birth to uh, 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 your firstborn son, would you allow yourself to be denied access in that inn? I love this scene, right? Because Joseph must have gone. And first of all, you could say, well, why were they late, right? Why was there no room for them in the inn? And so I, sometimes I imagine them like on their little donkey coming down from, from Galilee and they're in the hill country of Samaria, the kind of mountains all around. And they come to this fork in the road, right? And Mary says, Joseph, turn left. And Joseph says, no, 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 Mary, it's to the right. And Mary says, Joseph, I really think it's to the left. And Joseph says, Mary, I know it's to the right. Listen, I'm the man and I know where to go. And Mary says, do you want to look at the map? Should we ask this guy? And Joseph, no, no, no. I can get there just fine. How sheepish he must have felt. <laughs> and I'm just joking. I have no idea why they were late. But it could have very well been because on the way there, Joseph just insisted on finding his way. I have no idea. But the fact is, they get there late. And there they are at the door. And the guy says to them, there's no room. Now, my wife is about to give pregnant. She's going give to give birth in a stable, my man. And like you can imagine the anger that would have come up in Joseph's mind. Joseph and Mary went to Bethlehem to be registered in their hometown. That means that all of their kin were in the inn. It was their own cousins, their nephews, their nieces. These were the people of their own family that would have denied the Messiah that they were waiting for the opportunity to be born in an inn. This is like, remember all of Israel's waiting for the Messiah. The Messiah shows up and there's no room for him. This is like, it's neat because again, what do you do with this situation? Many of us, we would say, I'm unexpected. I'm going to quit. Just forget about it. I don't know why I had this in my head that I should follow God, that I should try to do this great thing. I'm just going to quit. This is, it shouldn't be this way. I'm failing. The world is failing, right? Like, and we just get this victim status going on in our brains. Anything just to get us out of this pressure. Or we say to ourselves, it's just too hard. I mean, it's not supposed to. I was marrying the Virgin Mary. I mean, like I was doing great. Like all of this is just too hard. And I'm just going to go home. I mean, what would you do? What do you do when the going gets tough and you realize that what you dared to take in the name of Christ starts to actually wear against you and cost you something? Well, a lot of us, I mean, you could think of the financial burdens that come and the stresses that come when you choose to rely on philanthropy. Imagine that. Or when you, when, when you go out of your way in order to make room in your family for another child and the child comes out with troubles or the one you adopt isn't the perfect one, what do you do? Well, on the one hand, you'd like to get angry. But you know that anger is not going to solve this problem. There's something more profound. You've got to take that anger and channel it to victory. Joseph could have hit that innkeeper in the jaw. 
right? You son of a gun. Or, you know, he looks over his shoulders and he sees all these guys sitting there at the bar and they're all just sitting there drinking. He says, won't anyone give room for me and my wife? She's pregnant, right? And what if they said no and they laughed at him? Who knows? They probably said, hey, you got lost in the hills because you probably took a left and you should have taken a right. You know, <laughs> who knows what happened? But I know this, Joseph was so strong that he didn't get angry. He didn't show his anger is a better way of putting it. He channeled his just anger towards success. He was meek. Meek with that determination. I will provide for my wife and my child. Even if it's not what I would want for them, it's what God has given for them. Leaders have to roll with the hard times and roll with the punches. It's an essential quality for what we have. To expect it to be hard and to know this, it's not about how hard we can hit. It's about how hard we can get hit and keep moving forward. How much we can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. That's the, it, it, it's this perspective that we have deep in our hearts that I'm going to endure. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. It's a neat, it's, that's of course from Matthew chapter 5. It's a neat promise. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meaning the inheritance will come in time. You've got to have that perseverance. Don't be discouraged that what you're endeavoring is difficult. It might be the sign that it's from God because when his son came to the earth, it was difficult and he had to be meek in order to save us. When Joseph was leading the Virgin Mary, it was difficult and they had that strength of meekness. He was strong enough to roll with it and strong enough to hang on to God's promise. And what happens? Mary gives birth to her firstborn son. And she wraps him in swaddling clothes and she lays him in a manger. And angels come and sing his praises and shepherds come to worship the one who is to come. And the wise men come and give gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And this world is saved and light erupts in the darkness. And it's thanks to Saint Joseph. It's thanks to this man's strength. Who will be thanking you one day because you didn't quit and you didn't flash out in anger, but because you channeled it to success? This is the greatness of St. Joseph. He was strong enough to be meek. Let's dare great things for Christ and let's dare them with whatever it takes. Be that anger, be that meekness. We know in the end what it takes. It takes love. God bless you. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.